So, okay. Um, good evening. Today is Monday, April 19th, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is um, Bill's story. And my name is Amalia, Amalia T. And whoa, sorry about that. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. I'm grateful to have this meeting. And I just am happy that I'm focusing on this chapter. Um, I think it's kind of funny. I never really like, I don't know. I, I feel like when I think back to the beginning of the big book, I always focus on the doctor's opinion and for and kind of combine that with Bill's story and think they're the same thing and they're totally not. Um, but I'm really, really happy that I was able to take a look at this again. I haven't looked at it in a while um, and recognize things that I do know and I say throughout my daily life um, that I forgot were from this chapter. And then also to look at things that I haven't looked at in a really long time and really needed to see. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. Um, but before I start, um, I just want to say, so I'm um, a senior in college. Um, I'm graduating in like about a month. And um, in June, will mark two years of me being abstinent, working this program with my current sponsor. Um, and, but I came to program like six months before that. So in like May, uh, no, not May, November, I'm sorry, of 2020 or 2018. Um, and it basically took me like six months to start working with a sponsor because I didn't think that I had time for it. Um, but I did, obviously. So, and that is why I'm still here. So, um, and yeah, so I guess to start, um, I just want to say like, I prepared a lot of stuff before this and then kind of the, like a few hours ago. And then the past few hours have just kind of been a large experience of the educational variety, um, as the big book says. So I'm kind of gonna maybe change up what I was gonna say, because I think that a lot of other things have, that I was gonna share towards the end of my share have become a lot more important based on the past few hours. <laughs> so anyway, um, so first, what really struck me about Bill's story was how much he talked about emotions in the beginning um, and how that really impacted his desire to like drink. So for me, eating, not drinking, um, I was a binger um, and I guess I still am, even though I'm recovered. Um, and for me, also, we're allowed to say types of foods at this meeting. OK, um, so like sugar was my big thing. Um, and eating was always accompanied by some type of emotion. Um, sometimes it was a positive emotion. So like on the first page of this chapter, the first page of the big book, page one, he talks about, um, like drinking or eating in the midst of excitement. Um, and in the midst of excitement, he like discovered liquor. Um, I definitely discovered food in the midst of excitement, um, from as early as I can remember, I would use food as a way to celebrate life. Uh, when I was one years old, I like went to a restaurant for my first birthday and I was a really early talker and I ordered food in the restaurant and what my mom describes as like a feast. 
um, and I was one and just like probably ate way, way too much for a one-year-old. But that is what I was so excited about. Um, I remember like at the age of like two going to family friends' houses and being so excited about the buffet that like they would put out for us um, and eating as like I was a machine. It was, it was insane. Um, so I definitely ate in the midst of excitement and obviously that continued as I got older. It didn't really stop ever. Um, and also I like when I was lonely, I would eat, um, as Bill says, um, I was very lonely and again, turned to alcohol definitely did that as well. Um, I remember in college, even when I was in program, um, early on coming back to my room, my roommates weren't there and thinking, oh, I'm hungry. Um, and I'd go over to my like approved snacks and think, oh, I'm going to have a snack. But then learning eventually as I worked with my sponsor, you know, like I can pause and go to my higher power and say, do I need this snack? Like, am I actually hungry or am I just lonely because no one's in my room and I'm bored? Um, so I learned the acronym HALT. Um, don't do anything when you're hungry, angry, lonely or tired. That's a huge thing that I think is really helpful because when I act from one of those places or when I'm feeling in one of those moods or ways I do not make good decisions with food or with people um so yeah <laughs> um and then another thing that I really liked about Bill's story um was his like focus in the beginning before like he realizes how great and how much he how great this program is and how much he needs it um was like the focus on like he he can't he just seems very self-righteous um and that's something I definitely um, still struggle with as a defect and um, like definitely had before program, but like now I'm aware of it and I'm able to work through that. So um, on the bottom of like page one, um, Bill talks about how he has this talent and leadership. Um, and he said, like, he basically feels like he's going to do well no matter what. Um, and on the top of page two, he said, I'd prove to the world I was important. Um, and thinking that he can, you know, men of the bottom of, I think it's bottom of two, he says, um, men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk. Um, so this self-righteousness and this thinking, I can, I can do this even though I drink or I eat or I binge or whatever it is. Um, I totally can relate to that. I think pre-program, especially with the food thinking, oh, well, like I do well in school and I have friends and I have a supportive, loving family um, and not really recognizing that, you know, the fact that I was binging was causing all those issues in all those aspects of my life. Um, but thinking, oh, it's fine. You know, this is normal um, to be addicted to sugar and thinking about how I want to like put chocolate in my cereal um, every morning, <laughs> like that's totally normal. And it just, it wasn't. Um, but the, the proving to the world that I was important, um, that's something that I think I had pre-programmed, but I still think I definitely have a little bit of today. Um, and it's something that like, I am able to work through as I work this program, you know, like doing step tens, um, and, when I did step four and, you know, just working with my sponsor, um, for me, like, I think a lot of times I, I 
look at my, I've been like working towards a goal of like accomplishing something, whether it be in school or, you know, socially or whatever it would be. And um, like, regardless, like, so for example, like I'm going to grad school next year and that's something I've been working towards for a really long time. And I thought once this is accomplished, I will be happy. I will prove that I'm important and I can do it. And the truth is, is like, that's not true. I'm now going to grad school and like little things throw me, like someone like saying something in a weird tone and that can like change the course of my day. But that's because I'm like thinking that I'm super, super important and like I'm stuck in myself and in my diseased thinking. So that's like another thing that Dr. Um, not Dr. Sorry, Bill said in um, a, a lot later in the chapter. Um, he said like this program is simple but not easy. Also, this is page fourteen um, at the top of the page. He says simple but not easy. A price had to be paid it meant destruction of self-centeredness, and that is something I did not know. That like I didn't know how self-centered I was. I thought that like me being like really obsessed with this goal I wanted to achieve was totally reasonable given like the fears I had around it. Um, but I didn't realize like how selfish it truly was and how being stuck in my head and my own thinking was completely like preventing me from helping others in any way. Um, and how really the problem, as it says, like centered in my mind. Um, and what this chapter told what Bill tells us is that like I want to test my thinking by the new God consciousness within and to me I kind of interpret that as like I'm not responsible for coming up with the solutions anymore I think that's something like one of the first things my sponsor told me when I started working with her um I used to think that all the problems in my life in other people's lives that they probably weren't even coming to ask me about like what to do but I just you know took on their problems too because that boosted my ego or whatever. Um, I'm not responsible for coming up with the solutions. And even if like, I need to make a decision that I think is so pressing, like, you know, where to go to grad school or something as stupid as like what to wear for the day, which somehow I make as this big thing, that's a big deal and whatever. Um, I should not struggle and like have trouble with this because that means that I'm not giving it over to my higher power. Um, and I think my, I know like this is just a share kind of like on my experience and like relating to Bill's story, but just to like talk about my personal experience with, you know, having a conception of a higher power. Um, I, it was something that I, I was able to accept easily, but it took me a while to really conceptualize like what relying on a higher power and all my affairs meant. Um, I was willing to do it. Um, like, as Bill says, like, you need the willingness, like that is essential kind of, or else you're not going to be able to work the program. Um, but I did not have like this immediate transformation that he kind of describes that some people had. I think he described that he had that, but I don't remember that page, but, um, yeah. So I, I think like now being able to you know recognize that in order for me to 
quote unquote, be happy, I need to, and to work this program and to, you know, like be okay, I really need to rely on my higher power and all my affairs. Um, and I think the best way to do that, as Bill says, like faith without works is dead. Um, we need to like, action is so important. Um, you can read the big book and talk about it as much as you want. Um, but if you aren't like working with other people and you aren't like, like doing, all, I don't know, going to meetings, like doing 10 steps, like it's not going to work. And I think being a college student, um, I often am like, oh, it's fine. Like I can go to a meeting another time or I can call someone tomorrow, but every single time I've never regretted calling someone you know, like making an outreach call. It's never been like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like that was a waste of time. Um, I, maybe one day it'll happen, but I don't, I don't think it's, I, it hasn't happened yet. Um, and that's just the disease, the, the, the idea that like the problem centers in our mind, um, which is a, a quote, there's, I could give the exact quote, which I can't find at the moment. Um, where did it go? Anyway. Um, but just another thing um, to point out was, okay, so going back a little bit to, um, I kind of was talking about my relationships with other people and how like, I don't know when I actually mentioned that, sorry, my share is a little bit all over the place. Um, so there's a quote on page 11 that Bill says, um, if there was a devil, he seemed boss universal and, he certainly had me. Um, and that quote, I remember reading it and being like, yes, I totally understand this. The first time I read it really early in program, but then also being like, what does that mean? Um, and to me, I kind of conceptualize it as like, I'm being tempted, like, or my disease is tempting to like destroy my relationships and like wants to destroy my relationships with every person. Um, it also like wants to destroy my life. So like, <laughs> I can't try to control it myself because that's what I did for 20 years of my life. And it really just didn't work. I thought it was working, but it just, it wasn't. And I think that's why I'm so grateful I found this program like early on because I just would have had so much more like destruction in my life to myself and to others. Um, and now like, yeah, there's still some of that, you know, no one's perfect, but <laughs> um, so grateful for this program but um the whole idea of like you know when i'm living based on my own self-will and self-knowledge um and not relying on my higher power i'm going to fail every time even if i think i won't even if one time i don't fail it's gonna it's gonna catch up to me because then i start to remember then i start to think like oh i can do this on my own and then the next time there's going to be something that happens and it's not going to work my way because I'm not when I, you know, don't rely on my higher power the first time. Um, and then the consequences will be even greater. Um, and that I mean, Bill says, like, God had done for him what he could not do for himself. Human will had failed. And that is I need to remember that every single day. Um, um, and I think it's also really important to remember um, I kind of talked in the beginning about like what it was. Okay. Thank you. I kind of talked in the beginning about like what it was like before program for me, um, with the food specifically. Um, but I think it's really important to remember that always, 
um, Bill said, like, certainly I was interested um, for I was hopeless. Like when he's talking about when he's talking to his friend um, who he thought he was going to drink with. And then his friend, you know, found religion, he says. Um, and his friend asks if he's interested. And he says, certainly I was interested for I was hopeless. Um, you you need to be hopeless in this program. And I think it's so important to remember like that I was hopeless and that I still am because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be sending my food over to my sponsor. Like no one else I know, like besides people in program, but no like quote unquote normal person texts their food to someone every day or writes a step 11 or says, oh, the right thing to do right now is to pray for this person that I'm resentful for. Like I said that, to my friend actually earlier and she was like who's not in program I was like really angry at this person and then was like oh, I'm gonna pray for them and she was like what's wrong with you like what and I was like oh never mind like it's fine um so yeah I it's just it's like a miracle this program and I think Bill talks about that as well at some place um yeah, on page 11 at the bottom, um, he said, my ideas, my ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then um, when he's referring to like God had done for him what he could not do for himself when he was just relying on his will alone. Um, and another thing that I really liked as well um, was on page eight, and this is a like a paragraph or a sentence I'd never I guess I had it underlined. I, I don't remember this at all, um, but it was in the third paragraph and it said, third paragraph, last sentence. And it says, I was to know happiness, peace and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. And I think the, the like phrasing of that, like happiness or the order of the wording, like happiness first, then peace and then usefulness, I think really, like at least for me demonstrates my experience in program. So like when I stopped eating sugar and was not working with a sponsor, I was really happy right away. Cause I was like, I lost some weight, but I was actually not happy. And then started working with my sponsor and I felt really happy because I was working the steps. I was, you know, getting at the emotional stuff, which to me is so much more important than the food. Um, I mean, obviously the food comes first, but anyway. Um, but then there was peace once I, you know, started to pray for God to remove my defects um, and then the usefulness um, in working with others, um, you know, I now have a sponsee um, or I've had a sponsee for like, like a year and a half now, um, which has been so incredibly helpful in my program. Um, and I just think like I liked, okay, thank you, the way that was worded. And I never really noticed that sentence before. Um, and then one last thing just to end on. Um, um, so, well, two things. So one thing first on page 15, um, it said like plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment, but work with others saves the day. Again, this is like related to what I was saying and how it's so important to work with others, but um, the self-pity and resentment, wow, those I never knew I was like so resentful. Um, I knew I was angry, but I didn't know that it was resentment and the self-pity. I thought I was the most like prideful person ever. And my ego could not be destructed, like destroyed by anyone. Um, but 
I like did not realize how much I love to sit in self-pity because then people, then you can get people to like make you feel better. But as I've learned from this program, I don't need to rely on other people to feel better. I need to rely on a higher power. Um, just like external circumstances or like how important I am is not going to make me feel better or food's not going to make me feel better. It's just, that's, it doesn't work. Um, so I'm just so grateful to have a program where I'm now am able to say like, if I'm feeling upset or bad about something, it's because I'm not working my program and my connection with my higher power isn't strong enough. And it's not like, oh, what happened? Why is it, why am I feeling weird or off? Like, it's just, there's a simple answer. Um, and that I think goes back to the fact that this program is a simple, but not easy program. You know, it's not as much as like, we, we say like, not to, this is not a program where you need like, um, all this, I, I guess you need discipline to work this program, even though we're, we want to say like, it's not about willpower and like your will, but like, while you're relying on a higher power, it is a program where you need to be disciplined in some way. And then just to end really fast, I know I probably am like, it's probably the time. Um, so the last page, page 16, um, it says faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. And I just think the word perish is really important. Um, it's like a really strong word that I like, it, how, like if you were to tell someone that who's not in this program, they would be like, what are you talking about? Um, and if someone were to tell me this pre-program, I would also completely just like not understand. And I think that's what's so important is that like, this is what we need. And this is why I think it's important for me to remember personally that um, I'm not a normal person. I can't pretend or think that I am for a second because that's when I slip back into my disease. Um, and I think that's what prevents so many people from, as Bill said, like for him, like he kept thinking, oh, I'm normal. I'm fine. It's normal to drink and be more, you're more productive when you drink, uh, or I'm more productive when I, when I binge and then I starve myself all day. And then I'm dizzy at, before dinner and like, feel like I'm going to pass out. Like that's normal. Yeah. Like, no, it's not. Um, so yeah, I just think I am so grateful for this program and like the freedom that I now have. And I think it just comes down to this idea of like, how free do you want to be? Um, and that the problem really just stems like in our minds and the food is, is the solution to wait, is that right? The food is, yeah, the solution. Um, but the problem is in our minds. So anyway, I think I'm probably over time now, but thank you for letting me share. And I think with that, I pass, or maybe I'm reading more. I think I'm still reading. So we will now open the meeting for questions um, for three minute or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or have questions, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call on the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set the timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Okay. Molly, would you like to call names or would you prefer to have somebody else call them? Um, either one works, I guess. 
if you want to call them, you can. <laughs> sure. Kyla was up first. Kyla followed by Kira. Kyla, go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Kyla, recovery compulsive um, eater. Super grateful to be here. <laughs> Amy, I don't know what you're saying, but love you. Um, <laughs> uh, Amalia, thank you so much for your share. Um, you have been someone who I like can relate we are like seriously cut from the same cloth i'm the same age as you we're in the same point of my life point of our lives i'm a senior in college and you're just someone who i can like always count on to just have great fellowship and conversation with um and just someone who i really look up to and program um i really loved what you said about the where relying on yourself led you and where relying on your higher power led you um and I just related so much about the selfishness that you talked about and how just sometimes like the tone in people's voice would like set you off. Um, and I think that as addicts, we have this habit of taking everything personal. Um, I know I do or did, I still do sometimes, um, something I'm working on, but I, yeah, I definitely have gotten so resentful at people just because of the maybe the way that they said something or if they were in a bad mood I would be like great what did I do um meanwhile it probably had very little to do with me um and something that has been coming up recently in my tenth um that I've some of you I've talked over this with but um I've gotten resentful lately at people for not understanding my needs um but I do a really bad job at expressing them. Um, so like I'll, for example, get, I got mad at this person um, for not being on the same page as me, but I never told them what page I was on. Um, so that's like been a huge thing for me lately is like learning how to express my needs um, in a way that aligns with what my higher would, what my higher power would want me to be. Um, and in terms of like relying on myself, like I've seen where that has gotten me and I definitely don't want to go back there. Um, and even just like skipping out in a few minutes of my prayer meditation in the morning, like, or like not doing my nightly review thoroughly, like that gets me like, it's like not taking my medicine for this disease. And it's just, Oh, like, I'm just so grateful that I have a higher power now that I can rely on um, because it's such a relief. Like, it is not a place I want to be trying to control everything around me and being anxious and all that stuff. And that's my time. So I'll pass there. But thank you so much. Thank you, Kyla. Kira B. And then we'll have Susan G. Kira. Hi, everyone. I'm Kira. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Bleemick from New York. Um, I was really, really moved by your share, and um, I have a question, but um, from one of the most insightful and like wow moments that I ever heard in a workshop was this therapist from AA, Dr. Alan Berger, and he said, the big lie we tell ourselves is that things have to look a certain way in order for us to feel okay, and I heard a lot of examples of that in your share, like if I get into this graduate school, I'll be happy, if I lose this amount of weight, I'll be happy. And I guess I'm wondering, 
I mean, take your pick, either maybe some, some of those lies that have been shattered through connecting with your higher power and or how you find yourself connecting to higher power in those moments that you can kind of, you're just, you were so honest and real about like, you know, the disease thoughts will come in and then we work to, you know, ask them to be removed. So if that made sense, answer it as you wish. And thank you again for your share. Yeah, thank you for your question. Um, I think that it's a hard question because I don't know. I think it's, it is really hard for me as, as weird as it sounds to put pen to paper or to say, oh, it's really important right now to set aside time to either reach out to a fellow or my sponsor to walk through a step 10 because I make excuses and say, oh, I'm busy. I don't have time. This isn't that important. Like I'll be okay. But usually it's not going to be okay. And usually, even if it's a little thing, like I should either take time to write about it or write a mini step four or write a God letter. Um, because if, if I don't deal with it, then it's going to come back in some other way in me dealing with other people. So I guess your question was like, how do I deal with it and like connect with my higher power? I think. Okay. Um, so I guess try I mean sometimes when I'm just like I don't know what to do I will like literally say out loud like god like please remove like the defect of like fear and like controlling and whatever the defects are um and also I really liked your quote of like I think I like things need to work a certain way but like they I don't remember the exact wording but I really liked that um but I guess yeah so what I do is sometimes I'll just say it out loud but a better thing that I do sometimes and not all the time and would better to do all the time would be um sometimes I I start by writing a god letter where I'm just like god like please like help me be um or like I'm praying to like ask for what you would have me be and then kind of like start writing out the situation or whatever I'm feeling um in that moment and then like soon realize what my defects are that are cropping up usually fear is the, the like underlying thing of everything. Um, and then I sometimes do either a step 10 or just write a mini step four resentment or fear inventory. Um, and I feel like that to, for me is really helpful if I can't do a step 10 um, or just feel like I don't have time to do a step 10, even though a step 10 is definitely what I should do. But sometimes it's like late at night or early in the morning and I just, I'm not really, I don't know, but obviously a step 10, I think is what helps me the most. And then just praying to have God remove that defect um, or those defects and recognizing it's not going to happen right away. It's not going to happen on my timetable, as you kind of said earlier. Um, and that is really hard for me to do because I want things to happen exactly the way I want them and exactly when I want them to happen. But that is my disease of like urgency and needing and in, like my own fears. So but it is hard it is not like the easiest thing in the world um so yeah i hope that maybe answered the question thank you though thank you um we have susan and then we'll have arlene susan go ahead thank you hi everybody susan recover compulsive overeater amalia thank you so much um just adorable i would adopt you if you lived closer <laughs> Um, and just my heart just goes out to all of you who've 
managed to hear this message, a point in my life where at your age, I was just deaf. I just couldn't hear it. First meeting at 21 and you're all, I just have to say, so lucky to have each other because there really weren't many people coming in at the time that young. So I just, I'm so happy for you and what lies ahead for you is just amazing, amazing. Um, and I love Bill's story and I often model my story around it because I moved so far away to try and get away from this. And, you know, when he talks about how lonely he was and I never realized that until I moved so far away. And then I thought, oh, I have all this freedom. And then all I wanted was family and all those things that I ran away from. And just the really, the progression, right, of his life and those illusions and his ego, you know, I had arrived. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. Um, I always say that from the part of the addiction that I come from, I don't know that morbid obesity led me to very exhilarating parts in my life. I can't speak to anorexia or bulimia. You know, I've heard different things about how that feels, but being fat, very fat, was not exactly exhilarating in any way, shape or form. And those serious proportions and how much I could eat, and you just hear how permanent, progressive and fatal it is, and how, you know, the old fierce determination to win comes back, right? Every single Monday morning, everybody's jumping out the window. And on Sunday night, I'm on the edge, but I won't do it. I won't do it. My ego is so much bigger and better than that. And then he talks about, you know, gradually things got worse and they did worse and worse, but things still looked good. So why is this unmanageable? Why am I powerless? Why do I really have to come to Overeaters Anonymous? Don't you see everything on the outside? Then every time I kept on coming back to a meeting, you were saying how I felt on the inside. And that's what got me. And I read a beautiful story in the back today called Window of Opportunity, if anybody wants to read it, because I heard our dear friend Rita talking about it. And it's just wherever I go, there I am. And I can identify. It doesn't matter that I'm old enough to be your mom. It doesn't matter, you know, that maybe you look totally different from me in this illness. We all have this chronic illness that centers in our mind. And here we have a common solution. And I'm glad that Ebby came knocking at your door in whatever shape he or she did. And I'm so glad that none of you stopped making a 12-step call online constantly for 16 years. And I'm so thrilled that one day I opened the door. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Susan. Arlene, you're up. Hi, everybody. My name is Arlene. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm so happy to be with all of you. And I just can't thank you enough for your words. And, you know, I just kept thinking, this is when I first came into, I mean, you can't see my lines. There's a lot of them. It was a long, long time ago. But the wisdom that you all have, I said to someone, you all are wise beyond your years. I mean, I came in because very simple. I couldn't stop eating chocolate ice cream. That's why I came in. And at my first meeting, I my greatest shame was that I ate out of the trash and I never knew anyone else ever did that too. 
um, you know, I'd study for exams and I was um, a chewing gum addict also. I would have piles of foil in the library when I was studying. People always knew if they needed gum, they could come to me, although sometimes it would be in and out. So, um, and I actually developed TMJ from chewing so much gum, it was insane. Thanks for nodding, it makes me feel a lot less alone. But, um, you know, for many years in this program, you know, I wish I could tell you, I have 35, 40 years of, of abstinence and I don't because in the beginning I came still thinking I could control and that I didn't know what a higher power truly meant. I didn't really know what 100% surrender meant. And, um, you know, I'm struggling really badly right now with um, this work issue, thinking exactly what, uh, what's his name, Dr. Allen Berger, that I do think things have to look a certain way, that I need to have this big job so that I'm okay. And um, it's not happening. And no matter what I do or say, you know, I'm just not in control and it's really, it's really hard. But the one thing, and you mentioned this about writing a letter to God and what I do is I write a letter to God in a certain color ink. And then I write a letter back to me from God in a different color ink. And boy, is that letter back very kind as opposed to what I'm first writing is so harsh. But if I continue to sort of take that pause and do this work on a daily basis, sometimes I have to do it a few times a day and listen to people and keep sponsoring people or women, um, I'm not in charge. And if I just keep saying I am powerless, I'm powerless over people, places, and things, including food then I got a better shot at being happy, joyous, and free. So I'm really grateful you're all here. Amy, thank you so much for this meeting. I feel safe. It feels very safe for me to share. So thank you all so much. And again, thanks for your words, Amalia. Thank you. At this point, we'll stop the recording. <laughs>